0: I scream, you scream, we all scream, for quality science fiction and fantasy content. For an extra scoop of sword and lasery goodness, go to patreon.com slash sword and laser.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont.
0: And I'm Tom Merritt.
1: Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Tom, you're supposed to say something after that. You always say something after that.
0: Yeah, but we have a guest. I didn't I know. I, I, I thought you were just going to go right into introducing our guest, who's now awkwardly waiting for us to finish this oh part God. of the conversation. All
1: right. It's Today, welcome Yay! back to the show. Hello.
2: No, that was the most. I I am very reactive to pregnant slash really awkward <laughs> pauses, and I'm triggered right now.
0: Yeah, that pause was like overdue. That was ten months at least. It
1: felt like it felt like ten months long. I think it was <laughs> right, probably. Jim. Too. Our editor, Jim, we're, we're like side ed note here. Like, Jim, you can trim that down. Like maybe 50% that 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 pause. I think that'll make and it more it was variable only about for everyone. Three, it was only three seconds, but it was so oh, awkward. And then air, I was man. like, it's did she say my name and I forgot? You know, <laughs> you know, it's just, this is how the sausage gets made time and time again. Uh, You're, you You've been in this industry a long time. You know how it goes. We don't edit much though. So that's why our podcast just comes out sounding like amateur hour. Yeah, 90% Listen, of the time. So That's my middle name, girl. <laughs> Amateur hour day. <laughs>
0: it's a, is it hyphenated?
1: <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so we, we have a new segment, and we would love you to uh, contribute if you want to chat about something. Uh, it's called, What Are We Nomming? Are you nomming anything interesting this like, week?
0: Nom, 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 nom. Not nominating. Well,
1: No, no, no. What am I nominating for an Oscar, or
2: what am I nomming on? (laughs) Okay, so I am so I could talk for hours about my intestinal issues and gastrointestinal issues. So I think it's middle age, you know, when you could have Mm -hmm, extensive mm -hmm. conversation about that and go to bed at nine p.m. So that's me now. Um, But I'm on a SIBO diet to try to like fix my digestion and all that, and I've lost quite a bit of weight. But I'm on a very limited diet, and then I took what is what is SIBO? I'm sorry. It's like a small intestine overgrowth of bad bacteria, essentially. So it oh. either stops you mm. up or makes you go fast, just to not be too graphic. So I am just trying to make my body, like, process food better and try to, get like, starve those bad bacteria. I'm trying to avoid going on a bunch of antibiotics, which probably I'll end up doing. Mm. But, you know, for now, I'm trying to do it with diet and a naturopath and a uh, dietitian and stuff. So anyway, and then I get this food allergy-slash-sensitivity test, which I've been told since is totally bogus. But anyway, I get this long list of things I'm sensitive to. I saw to. your
0: post about that.
2: Yeah, and did you see Dr. Rubin, who's on TikTok and Instagram? I he the is allergy I, guy? Yeah, allergy guy. He literally was like, these tests are bogus. And then I go to his what? site, and he's hula-hooping while he's giving people live advice, which I'm like, this is a weird thing to be consuming. <laughs> and he basically was like, yeah, these tests... Basically, these food sensitivity tests are not reliable. They could detect things that you just eat a lot and you shouldn't avoid things based oh. on these. It's because well, you know, your IgE. results that you showed yeah. ha-
0: it wouldn't let you eat anything. Like
2: Oh, it- that wasn't even the yellow stuff. Yes. That wasn't even all of it, Tom. Wow. So anyway, I'm kind of so basically I'm using that list as sort of like, hey, be let's careful. Try this. Is it a trigger food? Does it mm, cause acid mm-hmm. reflux or not? And then I'll move on. But at the same time, I eat the stuff that's on the list, and I'm still getting acid reflux. So, like, I don't know what's going on. It's all good, but I have again. lost What if it's not? What if
1: it's not? Okay, Doctor Belmont here. What if it's (laughs) not acid reflux? What if have you been tested for GERD?
0: Advice from Veronica Belmont is not medically actionable.
1: Yeah, I have a hiatal hernia and
2: a, bo- a a broken flap. My flap is like uneven. Does it does it seal got all a, the way?
1: your flappy flap, yeah. Yeah. So, so I do have your, sph- so your sphincter. Your esophageal sphincter. My top sphincter doesn't mm-hmm. work. Esophageal. Okay? Important to note yes.
0: Which one we're talking top about? Top
1: sphincter. But all then, right. This episode is going to be called top sphincter. Yes. Um, thank put you very that much. On the notes. Top sphincter. And
2: so, like Dr. Rubin was like, you should check this other thing about esophageal. It's like a um, it's an immunosuppressed uh, kind of reaction in the esophagus. He's like, mm. a lot of people with acid reflux has this, have this and mm-hmm. I've never mm-hmm. heard of it. So I'm going to investigate that. And uh, I ate this amazing... So anyway, long story short, I'm nomming uh, ter- ground turkey with, um, with uh, spinach. And I put it in a skillet and I stir it up and then I put some rice in it. And that's my dinner. And I have to tell you, I've eaten it for six days in a row, which I get really food obsessed. So I eat... And it's just a perfect... It's a perfect meal, you guys. So there you it's go. Good. That's what I'm good. good. As long as it's helping. I don't know if it's helping, Veronica. All I know is that I'm getting skinnier and I'm, like, having to eat more. But I started doing smoothies. I mm. got a, a blender to do a smoothie. So I'm hoping that'll – because then – okay, the one thing that triggered me was that eggs were on the avoid list. I'm like, mm-hmm. you are not taking my eggs. I love eggs. So who knows? Who
1: knows, guys? But- I'm from L.A. You could tell. My mom has the floppy sphincter problem. The, <gasps> what does um, she do? What does she do? She had she got surgery. Oh to tighten it wow. up? What do they do? I, I'm not sure. Um, I'll ask her. Uh but yeah, she ask her. she she had it because she would like this is gross. This is if anyone's triggered by like throwing up or puking <laughs> stuff, like now yeah. would be a time to like pause mm-hmm. for a little bit. But she would eat stuff. And then she would immediately just throw it back up because it would like <gasps> get there stuck nothing, there, and yeah. there was like, or oh. there was some weird thing happening, oh. and so she she had to get surgery on it, and it's helping, um, yeah. But it was pretty gnarly. Hmm. I don't know what happens, you know, like over. I had 40. GERD. I had GERD. I had a long, long. Do you still long battle habit? with GERD? I, it comes and goes. It, it gets really bad when I get super bad anxiety.
2: Well, that's the thing. I went on Lexapro. And no, a too. very mild dose, and believe me, that like cured half of my acid reflux problems. Yeah. But now I'm like I'm, I don't know. I'm seeing this like LA naturopath who has me on like 15 supplements, and I'm like, is this helping? You're is
0: itching it, just I'm, talking about it.
2: I know. I'm I'm scratching my arm, but I, I feel like there could <laughs> be it's a like mosquito. Unrelated. <laughs> <Hopefully> <laughs> unrelated?
0: Oh yeah, we do, we, we do. Yeah, we have the ankle biter mosquitoes down here, Veronica. You don't know the the plague we're under. What like everywhere? Yeah. They're like an invasive that? mosquito that mostly bites at the your ankles and knees and stuff.
2: Yeah. It's oh, it's everywhere, terrible. And, and it's all through the winter, which yeah. usually
1: we don't what? have mosquitoes. Yeah, usually, the winter supposed to
0: kill them, right? Uh huh. Not this year.
1: How do they serve? uh it doesn't get that cold. They're down Canadian. There. Oh no, they're not. Are they really? <laughs> no, I haven't. <I> <laughs> uh, they're they're, pro- they're they're basically snowbirds.
0: Yeah, like they're, they're snowbirds. They're like birds. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Very clever. All right, Tom, what do you 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 were numbing something before the yeah, show no, started? This is this is uh,
0: this is a delicious conversation that we've been having. So um <laughs> I uh, I can't wait to tell you about the moon cakes. Do you guys know moon cakes?
2: Oh yeah, yes. So
0: these they're are beautiful. Um, they're these beautiful. Are you can the yeah. um mid-autumn festival uh cakes mm-hmm. uh in usually a Chinese bakeries. I get them at 85 degrees, that that bakery.
2: They're um, good. I like that place. Yeah and, big chain, but they're good.
0: A lot of times if you get mooncakes, they're big. That's traditionally how they're made. But 85 Degrees makes little small ones so that you can you know, have a little bite-sized mooncake. But you still have the egg inside and the filling and everything. It's really good.
1: Don't they have like
2: chestnuts in the middle? Some I of them went, have chestnuts
0: a, too. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. They're really good. There was somebody at the farmer's market here in Hollywood. If, you go, if you're in LA and you're here on a Sunday morning, there's a Hollywood farmer's market that's the biggest in the region. It's uh, near... Hollywood Boulevard and Koenga. and I go, you know, frequently I'll drive all the way over there because they have the best vendors and there is a artisanal break- bakery person who is doing mm. like lotus and jasmine mooncakes. They were so beautiful, y'all. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they really were beautiful, but I couldn't eat them because I'm not eating wheat and that's what I like to Well,
0: they have eggs too. Um, in fact, everything that was on your chart mm. is in a mooncake.
2: Yeah, that doesn't account But, but the thing was like <laughs> buffalo milk. Why am I highly reactive buffalo milk? I've never
1: had buffalo milk, have I? Is that it's not buffalo mozzarella is not the same it's thing like, as buffalo milk. It is. Oh, is it? It is. Yeah. It is? Wait, what? I think it is. I think it is. I thought
0: that was an Italian word, like buffalo. I had no idea.
1: I might be making that up.
0: And no, no, okay.
1: <laughs> she lifts a clear glass of heavy liquid. It's, she, it's heavily rose. It's rose. Mm, it looks like great. Yeah. It's yeah, a yeah, rose it was... whiskey. <laughs> It's, ah. it's my box wine. It's my box wine. Is it? uh, I've moved box. on from tiny wines to box wine, Felicia. This so is that's aga, what you're nomming. My plight. Rosé. Uh, we're not going to put the basque. No, don't put the rosé on for like the fifth time on the one we're <laughs> section, okay? That's not, which, I'm uh, more that's not your choice this week? No, it's not. Oh, my God. Zoom's doing the reactions and it's giving <laughs> thumbs up to everything. This is so weird. I've never seen that. How, is that like a filter
0: you, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think mine does that.
1: It's I've apple. Never seen that. It's the oh, new yeah. Apple. It's Apple related. Oh, um, oh, oh, okay. With with Sonoma, um, I am having to take rosé again off the list, Tom. <laughs> well,
0: what are you navi? I had
1: then? I had really good uh, Sichuan food tonight, which I was very mm. excited about because even though I live near Vancouver, we don't get down to Van very often, and I've been really craving like super good Chinese food of some kind, and Sichuan food is like my favorite type of Chinese food, and this place was. Amazing, so wow. good,
2: so and spicy. Local?
1: So, so now you have a local place you could order from, mm, or you had to? Get, yeah, too far. I had to. Vancouver's still like an hour from me, so it's uh, it's not easy to get to. So Ryan went down to deal with like his um. We all we uh, two of two out of the three of us now have Nexus cards, so we can travel <gasps> very easily across the border. My yeah. son does not yet. He still uh, has to have his interview, so it's kind of like a big, big uh stop. Do We have an for interview for a, for
0: a kid like that? Yeah. Wow, yeah,
2: yeah they do. I when I when I applied for Calliope's global entry, they literally mm-hmm. were like, Your last three places you've lived. I'm like, my womb. That's yeah. it. That's the yeah. last <laughs> three places she's lived. I have an interview for a Nexus, but the problem is, global entry, you could do your interview anywhere. Nexus, you can't do it online. You have to go to a border st- uh, yeah. city. So I have to fly to either Seattle or Vancouver to get the interview done. I'm like, that feels very inconvenient. But I really want the Nexus because, you know, it's just nice to be able to breathe through, especially in yeah.
1: Vancouver. It's, like, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It supersedes your global entry, too, um, oh. I guess. So yeah, you it does. Can That's use, what it's, have, yeah, it yeah. does which is nice. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been having. Um, so that was really tasty. Very happy about that. Um, but let's, we've, we've been chatting, we've been catching up, but we, we brought you on the show to talk about third eye. I'm super excited about it. I'm, I'm so thrilled. And it seems like you've been doing like a crazy press tour for this and all sorts of appearances and things. So, all right, where do I even start? Tell us, where this idea came from, how long you've been working on this thing, and and how stoked are you to finally get this out into the world?
2: Okay. Well, I ha- first I have to give a shout out to one of my mods on Twitch, Sean Sandalookie Look. He is
1: Sean!
2: is a fan of you guys, and he literally, I guess like hours after you posted the last week's podcast, were like, hey, Sword and Laser wants to have you on. And of course, <laughs> I wasn't I was even thinking about you guys. I was like, I should call. Oh, put But of course- <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, a weird, crazy coincidence. So there you go. Oh, I um, thought you said
1: you weren't even thinking about us. So that was oh like Oh, no, no, no I was. I was. <laughs> That's it's
2: I was just like. my kid is sick, has been sick. I'm sick now. My partner had a mm. hip place, replacement. So like it's my life is... I, I cannot deal with anything right now. But Third Eye is out next week, October 5th. And I'm very excited. So long story short, uh, Third Eye is an Audible original. It is essentially a television show, a season of a television show in audio. Or you could think about it as a book um, acted out. People are very confused because I don't think this is a necessarily like a go-to for people. It's about format consumption. But um, it is. it has turned out to be one of the most exciting and wonderful experiences of my life, as well as I think the thing I'm most proud of ever writing. Um, so Third Eye, it's about a chosen one who fails and her trying to live with herself. Fifteen years later, has this girl come in and just blow her life up and kind of give her a chance at redemption, but maybe not. So, it is a kind of a broad comedy, but it also has a lot of emotional stakes and it's very funny and it's a fantasy adventure and it's set in San Francisco, which is why I was, was going to ask you about, about you.
1: that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this was funny. Just as a side note, I was on Audible because you know Tom and I are both huge Audible fans, and I saw the advertisement for the first time. And I was like, wait, that definitely looks like a San Francisco Victorian. Like, what is going on? Like, how, so how did San Francisco play into this? Why, why did you decide to use that as the location? Well, I got to tell you, remember when we had a steak dinner in San
2: Francisco? <laughs> yes,
1: I do. At House of, Pri- you, House of Prime Rib. You Rip. love that yep.
2: place. You love that place. Mm. I drove around there, and I saw all these dilapidated old Queen Anne's houses. And I was thinking about this project because I just loved the idea of subverting this idea of the chosen one. I love the concept. I was like, oh, this is cool. And I had this idea for like a sitcom, uh, like a multi-cam TV show. And I was driving around and I saw these sort of Queen Anne houses that were kind of like seeing the better days. And I was like, that's the perfect place to have a psychic shop. So, and that Mm -hmm. is where, you know, Mm -hmm. the show is kind of takes place. Um, And that's what kind of spurred
1: my using San Francisco. So thank you for feeding me some steak, a lot (sighs) of steak, that was a long time ago. I've been vegetarian for a long ass time. I was gonna say yeah, yeah, was, that, was, a bit that ago. was many moons ago. Yes. Well, but- I first started about this project. I started it in 2015. So Whew. it's been
2: quite a while. And I pitched it as a television show after I sold my company to Giga Sundry. I pitched it with Legendary. And I was convinced that it was gonna be um the next thing I started. And I you know, everyone always like after the guild was like, Oh, you're gonna make your TV show. Where's your TV show? Where's your TV show? And I wanted to do the guild, but nobody cared about that at the time. And so I was like, this is it. This is it. And I pitched the show around town, and they acted like I pooped on a table when I pitched the comedy people. Because comedy people, especially in LA, are cool, quote unquote, and anything nerdy is just gross to them. And, you know, I'm not sure if this was before Big Bang or whatever. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so it was Mm. not a subject matter anyone was going to buy. And I was really devastated about it because, you know, it was my baby. So I put it away for a couple years, and then, like, at the end of 2018 – I pitched it again to Audible and they liked the concept and they were like, great. Okay. We need a minimum of X hours. And what are you going to do with it? And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. I need other writers to help me because it's a lot and we're going to get it out there within a year. And then of course, COVID hit. And then I ended up just writing the whole thing myself over COVID.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. Nice. So it took almost like
2: four or five years to write for them because just the process was elongated and everything. And I was a long time, but you know, I got to take this 450 pages, like seriously, it's like a fantasy novel. And I got to rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it and get their notes, which were quite frankly great compared, I mean, especially compared to the horror I've been through in Hollywood development, which I never want to do again. but they helped me make it wonderful, and this cool piece of all these great characters. And then when we got to the point where we're like, okay, the scripts are set, I call all my friends. So Neil Gaiman plays the narrator, and Will Wheaton is in it um, for with a part that I wrote for him. And I have all these great other, you know, Alan Tudyk and Weird Al and these wonderful- You know, just some, just some folks. Yeah, just some, name drop, name drop, name town. drop. Yeah. Yeah. The whole cast list is wild, and I think I knew almost everybody except for one person personally. And so it was, uh, it was just kismet and it came together and we worked on it. For, I, we started recording like last October. So it's taken a year to sort of record, edit, finish. And uh, there's a company called Mumble that did all the post-production work and they're out of San Francisco. So they particularly oh, nice. brought out. Yeah. So anyway, I just talked a lot, but that's the summary of Third Eye.
0: It, how long is it? Is it broken up into episodes or or how how is the listener going to experience it? Because it reminds me a little bit of Space 1969. I don't know if I've, you ran into that.
2: I've, no, no, I haven't. But that's, I did a, that's
0: another s- Audible one uh, by Bill oh. Oakley. Um, that was a TV show. Same same thing. It was a TV show that didn't get picked up. So he turned it into uh, Audible. So how how did you arrange yours?
2: So I had written a pilot, but I was kind of conceiving it. I I had written a pilot that was supposed to be like an hour CW long. So like 45 minutes long, right? and then i reconfigured it for a half hour when i pitched it which i think was the problem you know it's a very quirky hour it would've been like ed or something you know but that was there wasn't the market for that at the time and so i had to change it into a half hour and that's a whole different set of buyers and yeah. they have a whole different sensibility and they're you know unless you have like you're cool or super super broad it's just not going to hit um and so i kind of went back to the longer form for version and so uh, it's 10 episodes, but I do say chapter one, because we we debated this a lot. And I mm-hmm. know that Audible is like presenting it as a book, an acted out book. And I'm saying it's a TV show because it's kind of both things, right? It's performed, fully performed by all the cast. But then there is a narrator that gets you, you know, with mm-hmm. paragraphs from th- um, place to place. So I think, you know, it is about like, I think eight hours. So it's a lot of audio. And they were like, this is a lot. And I was like, you said to write 10 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I think every episode runs between like 40 and 50 minutes. So yeah, you have a
1: lot to consume, I promise. Did you always see this as a, a fully fleshed? So how how like when you say it's being it's being produced and you have you have cast members, so there's obviously a multi-talent like experience happening. Is there is there like sound effects? Is it like a, a full I, what is the term I'm trying to remember that is for for audiobooks that have a that is like an audio drama. Is it more like a, yeah. the equivalent of like a-
2: I An mean, audio drama, but I, I hate that because when you think of, when you say the word audio drama, you think of like old timey ones. And you also don't think, this is a comedy, right? And it also right. has a lot of energy. And for me, audio dramas are kind of boring, to be honest with you. Like, but I'm a person who listens to everything at 20% spit up, okay? So that's just me and I speak way too fast. Um, so I don't think audio drama is really, it almost needs a new name for it because that's why I say it's a television show, mm-hmm. just an audio because it is fully like, it is a lot of sound design. And when they gave me nice. the post calendar, yeah, it's like six months we worked on the post production, not only just editing everyone's takes down, rewriting scenes. I'd be like, I don't think this scene works. i want to cut these lines, putting everybody's performances together. And then all the sound effects. And not only that, like, the the soundtrack itself was, like, we went through every single... So it really is absolutely fully produced. If you've closed your eyes and listened to a television show, but then you had a narrator to help you with the things you visually couldn't see, that's the closest I can describe it as. But it is, like, fully... Like, it's one piece. It's not a cliffhanger. You will be satisfied at the end, which is kind of nice. So I, don't, I just... I'm excited for people to experience it, because I know people are like, hey, I'm going to buy your book. And I'm like,
1: well, it's not really a book, but Okay. <laughs> But I think yeah, that's the context as as that people kind it. of understand this stuff in. You know, I think this is it. It feels almost like a a a, a new paradigm for for Audible, even though I'm. There, there, is there anything else like this? Or? I think this, uh, the Sandman is you know fully acted
2: mm-hmm. out in that way, mm-hmm. and they have another mm-hmm. project, uh, Project Winter. I think is another one um, that is really cool that they have. Um, so yeah, it is a it's it's taking like a book to the nth degree, you know, but. For me, like I wrote it like screen a screenplay. So if you took the scripts, they would be like equivalent of an hour on, you know, like the, the length of a supernatural episode, 10 episodes of it. Um, but we have really amazing casts, like they're so funny. Sean Aston plays a dumpy vampire who is one of the roommates in Third Eye. Um and he's so funny. He's very like outraged and very sitcommy. And then there's this woman named London Hughes, who I didn't know about um until my director, Jonah Ray, who I met on a on a show. Mm-hmm. He directed me on camera and then I was like hey you should do this because you're really good at music and really and I need someone I trust so I was like well the other lead is my best friend character she's a fairy princess but she's super super arrogant slash shady and I need someone who has a British accent and he's like oh this is woman London Hughes and I listened I saw her on uh for 30 seconds on YouTube and I was like sold offer the part <laughs> wow so she was perfect. She couldn't have been more perfect. I think I think when the few people who have listened to it who are outside, they're like, London is amazing. I was like, yeah, she is.
1: Nice. Did you get an opportunity to record with everyone in person? Or was it more like a, you know, everybody records their own pieces at separate studios and then it's all composited together later?
2: Yeah, I think it's really, really important having done a lot of animation that you get as many people in as as you can together. Unfortunately, of course, we were during COVID protocol because we were we were recording last October and November, so people still had to be masked and separated by, you know, things. It was very much just like that time when we were just kind of lifting the 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 rules for SAG and things like that. SAG meaning the Screen Actors Guild. So we did get the opportunity to record a lot of people in person, even having those limitations. So me and Sybil and Frank, uh London and Sean and Lily Pichu, who is she plays Kate, the girl who comes into my life and kind of screws anything up, everything up. And she's so funny. I found her on Twitch randomly. She's like this amazing streamer, online personality, but she's so talented as a voiceover actress. And I was like, I'm obsessed with her. I need to put her. She's me 10 years ago. I need her in this project. Oh, nice. That's great. So we were able to act together. um, And there are a couple of, you know, romantic relationships and everybody who has a romance arc, we made sure to record together. So that chemistry would be there. Otherwise, I just read everybody's parts. So nobody was just like recording a line. I would be reading whole scenes and then we recorded again and then we'd like do some pickups. But we recorded it, you know, as realistically as possible to get like improv and just the feel that we're going back and forth versus that's that stilted audio drama thing, you know, like it's like you you kind of feel like everyone's kind of performing in Mm. an audio play. And I didn't want that at all. And Jonah was great in trying to get people to be just more casual and fill it out physically.
0: Do you have intentions, plans, dreams, hopes for this to be adapted or is this good? Just the way it is.
2: I mean, I love it the way it is. And if I had sold it as a television show, I never would have had this story come out of it. Like, and I, I, have to tell you, my journey with Hollywood writing has been like the worst. The stories I could tell you about development hell, about the way I've been treated, the way other writers are treated. I'm so excited for the Writers Guild victories in these contracts because yeah. having thrown my hat in the ring for like five years to try to be a WGA writer in TV, it is awful, and I don't want to ever do it again unless you know, for some by some chance, this got optioned. I had the underlying rights somehow a showrunner helped me kind of configure it as an actor to to be able to vehicle as an actor. That would be my dream to do a sitcom with it, me as the actor and Mm -hmm. me writing some, but not being in charge of any production because I have run a companies, I have run shows and I have a kid now and I don't have the bandwidth to do that. And I have been trounced into the ground by Hollywood Mm -hmm. on the writing side. And I just, I am so much happier just making my stuff and releasing it, even though it's not as lucrative or like high profile. I would rather just write my stuff and then act and host and do—that's my Hollywood stuff. And if it ever crosses, that's just Kismet. But it has to be really, really cool and friendly to me emotionally. Yeah, circumstances yeah. for me to do it, or I'm fine for it to be like this. Um, so there, the characters, I think, could live on in like comics or whatever, maybe another audio piece. But at the same time, like, I'm really happy that this could live by itself, and I would be—it uh, would—it would feel complete for people.
1: That's awesome. I noticed a couple times when you were talking about Laurel, right?
2: Well, um yeah. you,
1: you said me. Ah. You referred to <laughs> – so how much is Laurel based on you? Do you feel like you are writing as as yourself, in the, as this character? Well, I – so when I first came up with the idea of a failed chosen one, I was
2: at a real low point in my world. Mm. And it was after I launched Geek and & Sundry. And I, w- I have to tell you right now, actually transparently – When they forced me to cancel Sword and Laser, (laughs) (laughs) I was so upset. I remember calling you in the car and crying for like an hour afterwards because I believed in the show. I thought it was amazing the way it was pulled off. I thought it had longevity and had this wonderful thing that wasn't on the internet. And I was kind of forced by YouTube to cancel all the low budget, you know, the shows that were too quote unquote high budget, low views. Mm. And this was the same meeting, by the way, that I uh, had a scripted show that I was obsessed with directing, which I sold three times, by the way, and never got made to three different people. But the exec at the time, a woman, told me, well, nobody's going to watch that unless the girls are hot. It was about a bunch of fangirls. So like, this was just devastating Mm -hmm. for me. And I ended up doing the company another year with YouTube, but we had to do just all low budget stuff. And I kind of withdrew and I was totally burnt out. And uh, thank goodness I was able to sell the company to Legendary and that there are a whole host of issues that came with that. But, you know, I, at the end of the day, I was, I shouldn't have been producing 100, 200, 300, 400 videos a year. I should have maybe just done one thing like Third Eye every five years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I kind of got caught up in a lot, you know, and you, it's hard to say no to the opportunities and it's hard to say uh, you you just don't know that success can bring the, as many stressful things as failure. And so I felt like a failure because I was like the wunderkind of the internet. And yet I couldn't make this company work, even though I believed in every show so much. Um, so I was channeling that a lot. You know, I think mean, the idea of a failed prodigy is really interesting. And it's something I think a lot of us can associate because, you know, if you're good at something and then you're not good at it anymore, especially as a kid, like how do you cope with yourself? How do you live? And that kind of morphed into a very personal story for me. Just um, trying to channel that like self-loathing and then just having these characters around to help this person get over it Mm -hmm. (laughs) already. It really helped me get over it. And now I'm like a lot clearer about what I wanna do and I would stand up for myself a lot more. Um, And so, yeah, it definitely parallels the arc of the character over the 10 episodes, parallels me a lot, you know, from that time to now, which has almost been like, you know, eight years.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's a common refrain of people saying, Hey, I got, you know, I got a little bit of popularity on TikTok, or I, I, my YouTube show took off and then I had to fulfill the expectations of that initial success. I think a lot of people are going to find a lot to yeah. identify with this and story.
2: Yeah. And also I think just the idea that you are not the past mm-hmm. and that I, you, that you can't unhook yourself from who you were and you always should, you know, I mean, you, those experiences behind you make you who you are, but that's not who you are. You're always changing. You're always progressing. You're always becoming something new with every, yeah, (laughs) thank goodness, right? We have the potential to be so much more than we ever could imagine. And yet, especially success or a lot of success or a lot of failures makes us stuck. It's like quicksand. You just can't get out of it. And, you know, I mean, my happiest times have been when I have been out of the uh, the public eye. Like, I was never happy with the success I had because all that pressure came. Um And I just wanted to make stuff, you know? I wanted to make stuff with my friends. I wanted to make stuff that I wanted to watch. And for a while, I was really privileged to get to do that. But then when, you know, business and money comes along and, you know, you, you're kind of forced to be ruthless in a way that kind of betrays what I was. And I, I didn't know how to stop that. So thank goodness mm-hmm. I did. I, I am no longer, I have no company. I never will.
1: And my
2: goal is just to like make one cool thing a year or every two years as, as I go forward, because that's the stuff that's my speed now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's a good speed. And it's heavy. It's bearing fruit looks like
2: we'll see. I'm really happy with this thing. I mean, again, it's, it's, uh, we'll see if people, they, they, it's, it's strange. I don't know. Have you guys talked to other authors of, uh, like, uh, you know, these kind of, this
0: kind of project? Well, or? Bill Lawrence, who did Space 1969, I, I interviewed for Chord Killers because oh, cool. that is, even though it's on Audible, it is more of a avowed TV show than it sounds like Third Eye is. Third Eye mm-hmm. is very, you know, with the narrator and everything. There's not really a narrator in that one. Um, hmm. But there's a lot of similarities in what he said about why he did it, which is I wanted to tell this story and nobody else would let me tell it the way I wanted to tell it.
2: Yeah, well, I just want to make stuff. And I yeah. got into development hell for so many years with so many projects. And I'm like, I'm not making stuff. And I got known for making something in my garage and nobody ever optioned that show. Nobody was interested in making it bigger, but I was more popular than most TV shows. So why am I waiting? Yeah. And And so for me, that's what I love. Like whether it's a graphic novel or an audio thing or a self-published novel. Like I just want to be making stuff and putting it out there. And like I think enough people will like it that I can support myself. I don't need like an estate. (laughs) I just need to be able to make stuff. And that's what makes me happy. And like pay for my kid. Those are the two things I need. And if I can do that, then I'm way happier than, you know, signing all these fancy deals with fancy people and then working on something two years and that just never gets made. I don't I don't want that anymore. And God yeah, You know, God bless all the writers. Like,
1: they definitely earn their money. It is awful. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I totally relate to so much of what you said because I just completely stopped. Like, I just got so burnt out on it after trying for so many years to, to, to do more and, and keep, like, what is going to be the next thing? What's going to be the thing? Is it going to be a TV show? Is it going to be a whatever? And I was like, you know what? I just don't want to do that anymore. I just don't. So I just got, like, a, a, a normal-ass job. And I still do Sword and Laser. Yeah. And you're so brave. And also,
2: look at you. You're so happy. And I, I am happier. Having, <laughs> yeah. And I remember having conversations with you about that. Like, should I move to LA? Should I do this thing? And I'm just like, the things that you are saying you don't want to do. And that's the same thing I went through. Like, all these mm-hmm. Hollywood agents and, and execs saw the Guild and was like, oh, she's going to make a TV show. She's going to be a showrunner. And like, I even signed with my agency like saying, I want to make the next Buffy. I don't know why it came out of my mouth. (laughs) It was what the impressive people wanted from me. And I sat there over and over trying to come up with a TV show that would make them happy. And I'm like, I'm not even coming up with ideas I like. I'm just trying to please these people. And do I really want to run a show? Like, it's so much work and so much pressure. And like, I never stopped to think, am I happy doing what I'm doing? And thank God for COVID. I mean, I hate saying that, but like, thank God for having a kid, for forcing me to quit my company because that wasn't a good fit. Thank God mm-hmm. for COVID for forcing me to stop producing and writing for Hollywood. Uh, I mean, it was, there was horrible things that happened, but just forcing, I think, you know, in retrospect, we can only look at the positive side of being robbed of several years of my life in that. When you go through a life crisis, you know, or life transition, it's usually forced upon you like a divorce or a death or, you know, graduation or getting married or having a, you know, there are these milestones retiring. Like there's milestones where you are kind of forced to become a new person. And Mm -hmm. at least, you know, we, people our age, like have the advantage of like having our midlife like reevaluated. And I think I know a lot of people, including me, who have just changed direction a lot and don't want to be in that place they were because they realized that wasn't where they needed to be to yeah. be happy. And you deserve to be happy every day. Right.
0: And I, I love that you're you're doing all the parts of the jobs you hated that you loved and none of the parts you hated. It sounds like <laughs> it is
2: true. <laughs> it is true. I mean, I miss working with, you know, the people that I worked used to work with and I miss some of the shows that I produced. But yeah, you're right. It's it's I, I think that in, because I was so burnt out, I was working on other people's projects more than mine because mm-hmm. quite frankly, I had no creative seed left in me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Once I launched that company, I you can't make it that, uh, like 70 hours of content and be like, I'm fresh. And then constantly outputting, like that's what I, I see a lot of YouTube people and they've just kind of disappeared because you can't gestate something that lasts longer than a moment if you keep pooping out ideas all the time, right? Yeah. And so you kind of have to, you got to fill your jar, and then look at what you have in there. And be like, what can I make from the jar? Versus like just throwing pebbles out every single time you have a pebble. Oh, that's well, a that's metaphor. okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, you know, I love doing a dumb TikTok here or there, but like I'm not trying to be an artist on TikTok or Instagram.
1: That's all I have in me. Yeah, it's like we were joking about this before the show, but like my my TikTok creative abilities are limited to like I saw a funny filter or like a funny trend that I'm gonna poop out in 30 seconds. And that's, that's it, my creativity for the day. You are my, <laughs> you're one of my TikTok muses, Veronica. You're one of the
2: first people oh, I followed on there. And you. also, yeah, because I actually almost feel embarrassed for people who are like doing sketches and stuff. And like, when I try to do something like, oh yeah, I have an idea and like, let's set the camera up and like
1: edit it really nice. And I'm like, nobody cares. Why are you doing this? Do you know stuff? the first, the first TikTok <laughs> I ever did was actually a dance. It was what? like a straight up tiktok dance it was the doja cat dance no <gasps>
0: kidding and I, I i've, I've, deleted,
1: it. I've oh, deleted it i've deleted it i was literally about to go look at it it's got to be somewhere but like i did the whole thing in my bathroom and it's right before i got pregnant so it's really like the last time that i was like mm, i'm a pretty good i have yeah. to say and um yeah and i i sent it to all my friends and they were like what are you doing don't do this like you're don't like a 40 year old woman what are you doing Sit down. Well, I guess I was 38 at the time, Still, but like yeah. sit down. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> so mean, I'm, all- I've, yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, no,
2: no not to yuck anybody's yum. Do, as long as you're doing it because your heart is into it. But if it's just the imitators, it's just like, it cr- yeah. it's like cringy. It's so yeah. cringy when people are the like. The try hard. Oh, the try hard TikToks. And I know a lot of actors who do them and I'm just mm-hmm. like, stop
1: it. No one's hiring you from this. Nobody will. I promise oh, you. <laughs> I love I just just one more one more TikTok thing. I love that guy um, Luke from um, who was on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. No, I don't know. I, I gotta follow. Oh, he's You're so follows. good. He okay. is the funniest, and he actually talked a lot about the um, the strike and why it's so important um, for, oh, okay. for you know for the actor strike, especially too, um, because that's what he's involved in. Because he's like, I don't I. I have to, I I barely make any money. Like people think that I'm like this millionaire because I was on like a couple of good shows. But like, no, no, I have to like constantly be working and constantly be doing side hustles and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And it's, yeah. So he, I think he, he did a lot to like teach people like what it was all about.
2: I think that's really important. And I will follow him because you're- Luke like, Cook, Luke, Luke Cook.
1: Luke Cook, okay, Luke yeah. Cook. I just put it in my notes. Um, but I was going to ask you while well, we're, we well, you know, I want to keep it back the show a little bit. Oh my gosh. I hope I didn't lose my question. Um, oh crap. Write? I lost my, I totally lost oh, my question. No. It was a good one too. You were the I swear. chosen
0: one, Veronica. You were supposed oh, to ask oh. the question.
1: Thank you. Um, wh- who are your favorite chosen ones? Do you have like good chosen? Thank you, Tom. Oh, that was Wow. Real. Tom and I have been doing this for a long time. <laughs> we basically share a symbiotic brain at yeah. this point when it comes to interviews. Um, yeah. Do you have any favorite chosen ones? Oh, or- my God. This is really hard
2: to think about because. I know.
1: It's putting you on the spot a little
0: bit. <laughs> Choose a chosen one. No.
1: Choose, I mean, choose your chosen one.
2: I will say one of the ones as a kid I loved so much, which is so cheesy, was David Eddings. Oh
1: okay. Of, yeah. 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 The the Melorian and the, yeah. the I was gonna say the Bolorean. The Bolorean. Yeah, the <laughs> Bulgarian. <Belgarian.
0: laughs> the Bulgaria. <laughs> and the DeLorean and <laughs> Yeah, the <laughs> Bulgarian. No, no, no. That's right.
1: Yeah, that was one of my first favorite fantasy yeah. novels. One of yeah. mine too. I mean, I said I, mean, I have to say Harry Potter.
2: The books, certainly not the author, but you know, we have that is kind of like a chosen one archetype that we're all familiar yeah. with. And um, I mean, there's so many. And also, it's like, is it a is it a straight chosen one? I read so many lit RPGs right now, and they're all like, I'm an overpowered human coming into a world, and I will read that book forty thousand times. Yeah. I love it. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like especially, you know, I, I like, I always, I can't help it, but I just think of something and I'm like, I'm going to create one of these. How do I do the thing that nobody's doing right now? Because I just rebel against the thing I hate. Like, does every chosen one have to be a teenager? Like, who are these people? Like, why do we care? Why can't they be an older person? And, um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I, if, if I could give it a little bit more thought, but yeah, for some reason, David Eddings, because it's so cheesy, but at the same time, so satisfying. That this yeah. kid was his name, Pug or something? Pip
1: or it starts the P. Yeah, it was it was a P. It was a P. Um, I'll have to I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I remember it was like, reading it at like 12 and it's super violent. Like, you know. Is it? I guess it probably is. I remember is. as a
2: kid, I was like, oh my God. Also, like, if you read the one, what about the leper Thomas Covenant series? Like, I guess Oh, I never read that one. Yeah, I never gross. read that one. It was really hard to get through. And and yeah, that, I mean, all of those big Chonkles, I love Tad Williams. Was that chosen one? Was that a chosen one
1: for Dragonbone Chair? And like when we saw on Thorn? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Those are. I think that was pretty. No, that was definitely. That was definitely there was chosen one aspects to that too. I believe. Yes. What's what's, it? Like I can't think of a woman. I can't think of a girl character who was chosen. Um. There's a lot in like I think probably in like uh, Fourth Wing. Oh, I haven't read Fourth Wing yet. I have it yeah, on my. Yeah, there's Kindle. a
0: lot of recent
2: ones. There's
1: a lot of female, like YA and female and romance, cho- female chosen ones. Yeah, I think that's we read some for vaginal fantasy when we. Oh, did for that sure. Book club Kate for Daniels sure. is chosen one um, from the Kate Alona Andrews. Kate Daniels oh, is definitely definitely a chosen one. That's one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I'm I've been reading a lot of like young ingenue meets like 500 year old vampire. <sighs> And, like, they have a romance because he looks like he's 23. And it's like, no, but are you? Like, does it work? Like, how does it work when you're, like, a human who's, like, 18 and you're dating a dude who's, like, looks like they're 23 but they're actually 400? One of my
2: favorites of that? Wait, one of those are my favorite. What is it called? It's called – wait, I'm – I got well, go literally
1: like Twilight, right? It's like, Twilight, I mean, that's kind of,
2: I think the OG one, the one I first,
1: first read is one of my favorite books and I'm going to get it. Cause I can't read it from here. Cause I don't have my glasses. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Like physically, physically has to go get it. But I've always said that gives me a bit of the okay. ick factor, you know?
0: Well, cause they, they don't have the same musical taste it's or dark, anything.
1: It, did
2: you ever read this one? Dark Angel by Mark. No, no,
1: this is one
2: of my favorites. It's like a fairy really? tale chosen one, but yeah, he's, She's He's kidnapped by the dark angel, a black-winged vampire of astounding beauty and youth and taken to his castle keep. She must ther- serve his 13 wives, raids whose souls he stole away.
1: Mm, mm-hmm.
2: It's so good. It's like, I think it's like, precedes all the, I don't know when it was written, but it's like, it's on my favorites list because, uh, shelf, because I just love it so much.
1: Yeah. Another good chosen one, Veronica Roth had a novel chosen one recently oh, within 82. the last few years. It was written in 82. Uh, oh, 82. Good year. Um not that I'm biased.
0: Um <laughs> it was the year physical came out by Livin' it in Wow.
1: Why do you know that?
0: Cuz I had the cassette.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Um I had to never mind. I, I won't get it. We're not we're I not gonna have a, tiny I, ourselves right I now. I did I'm have not a cassette. Let it happen.
2: I did. And you know what I love I I the Dick Tracy the uh soundtrack. I'm yeah. sorry you had a cassette. You only a ever had cassette. one. I had one cassette and it was the Dick Tracy soundtrack and Madonna was in it. And I thought it was the best soundtrack ever. Oh my God. You still have them on your shelf? Do they this work? This is just
0: some of them. Yeah. I have like- Do they
1: still work?
0: <laughs> it's Olivia Newton-John's physical right there. Oh
1: my gosh. <laughs> That's so funny.
0: Yeah. I haven't tried playing them in a while. They probably still work. I don't know.
1: My favorite, the cassettes I remember, I had Madonna also. I had um, Seal. I had um, the Seal cassette. I had mm-hmm. Aerosmith. Um, the one that looked, had like cow spots on it. I mm-hmm, can't mm-hmm, remember mm-hmm. which one that was. And I had meatloaf, bad out of hell. Ooh. Nice. And I think those were like the main cassettes that I remember having. And then everything went all CDs, like pretty shortly thereafter. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember um, having a lot. Yeah. I think during my youth,
2: like young youth, we turned to CDs. So yeah. I will say cassettes that. Cassettes were, we're not for the car.
1: Long. Cassettes were only for the car for yeah. most of my youth. Yeah. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. inside we had CDs. Yeah, because you were a tech family. You know you
2: know what you're doing.
0: Yeah, yeah kinda, I got my first CD kinda, player yeah. in 87, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, that, yeah. And they were like, that was right at the beginning of the mainstream. Did you have
1: the multi-spin one, like the 10 CD? No, like, mine multi-spin. just played one at a time. Wow. wow.
0: We weren't rich, Veronica.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was not rich either. <laughs> um, literally, you just say that you're from Connecticut, and everyone's like, you're rich, Connecticut. <laughs> 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 it's like, what? I was from Hartford. Anyway, um, (laughs) no diss on Hartford. I'm actually from West Hartford, which is very different. Anyone from West Hartford, it's like, she said she's from Hartford.
2: Um, I've never been to Connecticut.
1: So I've never never been been to
2: Connecticut. I've never been north. I've been to Boston and no farther north. And I need to go to Vermont and Maine. (sighs) I want to go there so bad. I've never been anywhere in that region. And it feels crazy
0: that I have it. It's
1: fall. It's fall. Go now.
0: Ninth House, uh... Lee Bardugo. That's another chosen one situation.
1: Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ninth House is really good. Yeah. I didn't read the sequel. I forgot about that one. Hellbent. Yeah, Hellbent's great. It's spookier.
2: Oh, I, I gotta get that. What else are you reading? What else are you reading? Then we'll we'll let you let you go. I'm telling you, man, this lit RPG. I'm I'm starting to. I'm like taking notes to write one because I have to deduct all these books because I'm just obsessed. And my brother gets me. You know, I will read. And the thing about it is, I'll read a book and it has like twelve in them. So I'm like, I'm set for the month, man. I'll just read all of these. And like, I don't. Think oh my gosh, they're they're not. Oh couture, like I'm not even absorbing any of it. It's just I don't
1: know what it is. It's like playing a video game. I'm reading the book. Sometimes you just need some time to like, you know, I'm doing a lot of that right now. Like I just need fun books to kind of like keep me, you know, I don't know. It's I just not, need it's, some I, some light. Yeah. I need some lightness in my life. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I I I think it took remember we were so I was so
2: into romance books. Mm-hmm. And I think as a mom, any any side of me that's sexual at all is gone. So I just <laughs> i just don't know what you're talking about yeah i need people killing uh, rather than making love
1: they're killing orcs with swords okay that's where i'm at right now so see
2: that's
1: so funny that you react that way because i'm on the opposite kick which is like i'm gonna try to find like the porniest like like, you know i just want to feel something felicia (laughs) i just want to feel something okay that sounds horrible horrible. we all cope (laughs) in different ways yeah, you know, you know how it goes. Um, Felicia, thank you as always. So tell us, so, so the, the the book is coming out, the show, the the drama, yes. the, the non-drama. How do you want us to talk about it? How do you want us to refer to it?
2: The Audible original is coming out next right. Thursday. Well, it's coming. The Audible original is coming out October 5th. It, it can be gotten with a credit. So if you have a credit, grab it. You'll have hours and hours and hours of content. And I'm very excited for people to experience it. Yeah, I don't know. I just can't wait for I got a fan art. I got my first fan art. Somebody <gasps> made me a mug and I was like, You haven't heard it yet. This is the coolest thing ever. So yeah, I just love the character so much. And yeah, I really hope people enjoy it. So thanks for having me on. I know I think course. your audience will really, really respond to it because it's up your alley,
1: hopefully. No, and thank you again to Sean for, for making the connection. I mean, I think we we mentioned it and then I just was like, Oh, she's busy, or like it just didn't even and he was like, No. Felicia's going to be on the show. Yeah, we're going to make an, this happen. My Discord.
2: I was like, "What a great idea!" I totally forgot. So this is perfect. And please have me back
1: anytime because I of love course. hanging out with you guys. And where can people follow you online if they aren't already? They can cl- follow me at Felicia Day everywhere but TikTok. It's felicia.day <laughs> on TikTok, and you can get uh, Third Eye at Audible.com/slash Third Eye. Thank you so much for coming on. As always, we love having you, and it's so great to catch up.
2: Yeah, I could talk for eight more hours. Let's stay on Zoom. <laughs>
1: Perfect. And for for you out there, our show is currently entirely funded by your patrons. Thank you so much to all the folks who back us. If you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser.
0: And you can also support the show by buying books through our links. Look for a link for Third Eye. You can find it among all of our picks at swordandlaser.com slash picks.
1: Email us, feedback at swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram, X, and Mastodon at swordandlaser. And you can join in on all the discussions at goodreads.com slash swordandlaser or in our Discord. And we will see you next week. Bye.
0: Bye.